Interstate Batteries offers a wide variety of batteries for your everyday needs. Stop into one of their thousands of retail locations and talk with a battery specialist about batteries for your truck, trail cameras, and even those weird batteries for your rangefinder. Interstate Batteries even offers cell phone repair in certain locations. For more information, visit interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. Attention, if you're an eastern whitetail hunter with dreams of hunting elk, antelope, or mule deer out west, but are overwhelmed with the knowledge gap, look no further than Outdoor Class. Outdoor Class features professionally produced courses taught by the world's leading outdoor experts and can be consumed on your phone, computer, or TV. Visit OutdoorClass.com and start the process of making your hunting dreams come true. Use discount code EMPIRE20 at checkout for 20% off. Welcome to the How to Hunt Deer podcast, which is brought to you by Tacticam. This podcast aims to educate those who are interested in becoming deer hunters, brushing up on essential skills, or maybe just adding a few new tactics to the toolkit. We cover a variety of topics that will help you be more confident and successful in the field while you're hunting deer. Thank you so much for tuning in this week. We've got a great episode in store for you. I'm talking with Dwayne Jones of Shed Season. We're right here at the end of February. I know a lot of guys are chomping at the bit. Some guys are already out finding sheds. Shed Season is finally here. So in this episode, Dwayne and I get into what Shed Season is, what the guys are hoping to accomplish with Shed Season, and how you can find more shed antlers this year, how it can be your best Shed Season yet. We even get into the value of shed antlers like are they really that valuable when it comes to making a plan for hunting next year we're going to touch on all those topics so like i said great conversation before we jump in though do have a couple of things for you number one if you have not please go and like subscribe follow whatever it is they let you do this podcast wherever you get your podcasts if you can leave us a review i would greatly greatly appreciate that written reviews are even better those reviews actually help people find this show they factor into the algorithms on things like apple podcasts and spotify you know when folks go in and search for podcasts it will help this podcast pop up a little bit higher in the list and also let folks know that uh, hey people are finding this podcast helpful also go give us a follow on instagram getting ready to start doing some postseason scouting and hopefully going to be posting some of that up and keeping you guys informed of all my shenanigans there that's the best way to get a hold of me if you have questions or guests that you would like me to interview and it's also the first place where i post up whenever we have a new episode live now i've not done a good job of that the last couple of weeks i've gotten a little bit behind but hey that's okay social media is kind of just a necessary evil when it comes to podcasting in my opinion it's a great way to get your stuff out there At the same time, it's a huge pain, and I oftentimes wonder if it's worth uh, all the issues that come along with it. But anyway, that's beside the point. I hope you guys are getting out. I hope you're doing some postseason scouting. I hope you're doing some shed hunting either now or in the next couple of weeks. I hope you're planning for next year. I hope you're already planning to make 2023 your best deer hunting season ever. Now, before we jump into today's episode, do just want to say a quick thanks to our partners. First of all, I want to talk about Onyx. Uh, Onyx is the newest partner of our show. And man, the Onyx Hunt app goes with me wherever I go. It doesn't matter if I'm postseason scouting or if I'm hunting or if I'm consulting on a property. Onyx is always with me. It's always open and I'm always paying attention to it. The Onyx Hunt app is absolutely packed with helpful features. One, really saved my tail this week. I was out doing some scouting on a property that's a very large property. I've talked about it before. It's about 30,000 acres. And I found a spot in a bottom that was a nice little thermal hub. There was some concentrated buck sign down in the bottom. There were acorns left over from the white oaks from last year. So I knew there was a bumper crop in there this past fall. Uh, There is a clear cut just up the hill from the bottom on one side. On the opposite side of the bottom, there was a finger ridge that kind of led down into the bottom. The DNR has just burned everything up on top of those hills, and I found a great buck bed overlooking this thermal hub. I think this spot is going to be dynamite. I got in there. I got excited. I took a bunch of pictures. I left, and I realized I didn't mark the spot. I didn't mark where the buck bed was. I didn't mark the tree that I would want to hunt it from, so uh, I was in trouble. 
until I remembered that I had my Onyx tracker going. So I get home, pull up the track, and sure enough, you can tell exactly where the buck bed was because I walked up the ridge and I sat right there. Uh, You can tell exactly where a lot of the sign was because I kind of walked circles around the bottom trying to figure it out. So because of that tracker, it's okay that I forgot to mark the spot. So uh, yeah, go check them out, onyxmaps.com. Or you can find them on your preferred app store if you're not already using them and get a seven-day free trial. Next up, Huntworth. They're making awesome, durable camo without the big price tag of some of the other options out there. Really enjoyed using their gear this past fall. It was my first fall hunting out of it, and uh, I love the tarnin pattern. Guys, if you're looking for a pattern that blends in no matter where you are, that tarnin, for me, was really the ticket. In fact, I'm looking forward to sticking with it on into turkey season. I'm going to pick up turkey hunting here in uh, the end of March with the youth turkey season down here in Georgia, then heading for Wisconsin for their season in April, then doing some more turkey hunting down here in Georgia in May, hopefully. Depending on how successful I am here, I'm going to hop the state line over into Alabama, possibly hop the state line up into Tennessee or South Carolina. And that tarnin is going to go with me everywhere because I've got great confidence in it. You can find out more about all their gear at HuntworthGear.com. Next up, Tacticam. They are the title sponsor of this show. And now is the time. If you are thinking about sharing your hunts with others, if you're thinking about videoing your hunts, now's the time to start really looking into that. And I would highly encourage you to check into the Tacticam 6.0 camera. It's got up to 8x zoom. There's a touchscreen display, which is incredible. Uh, It's got image stabilization that is up another notch from their previous models. Gives you 4K, 60 frame per second footage. Obviously, one-touch operation, just like you'd expect from a Tacticam camera. It's waterproof, just like you'd expect from a Tacticam camera. It also performs really, really well in low light. And one of my favorite features is that it is remote compatible. Now, I've got a remote for my cameras, and it is an absolute game changer. So if you're turkey hunting, you want to have a camera on your gun, on your blind, and maybe a couple out in the decoy spread, it works great for that. You click one button on the remote, all the cameras turn on at the same time. But maybe you're bow hunting or rifle hunting, maybe you've only got one camera. That remote is still really, really important to the way that I hunt because I don't want to reach out and click the camera on and push the button on the end of my stabilizer or on the end of my rifle or shotgun or whatever it is I'm using. I want that remote right there in my pocket. I push one button. I know my camera turned on and I know I'm going to get the shot on film so I can take it home and share it with my family, share it with my buddies, all that good stuff. You should go check them out. www.tacticam.com. Now let's jump into today's conversation with Dwayne Jones of Shed Season. All right. Joining me for this week's episode of the How to Hunt Deer podcast is Mr. Dwayne Jones from Shed Season. Dwayne, welcome back to the show. Thank you so much. Appreciate you having having me on. Always excited to chat with you. Absolutely, man. So glad you could come back on. I think it was right out a year ago that it was, we talked last. Exactly a year ago. Was yeah. it really? Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I guess that's about right. I mean, you're with shed season, so you know it's about that time again where we got to start got to start talking about it all. Shed uh, season is here. That's right. That's right. So we met uh, or got connected through our, our buddy TJ. Uh, yep. fantastic guy. If people aren't aware of, of who TJ Eads is, uh, man, he's got his hands in a lot of different things, but he is a, he's a stellar dude. And, uh, just one of those people that you want to be around, you know, yeah, what I mean? he is, man. Blessed so, to know him, honestly, he yeah. just he has an incredible circle of people around. I'm like, when we were at ATA this year, I really realized that there's a, he hosts a power dinner every year at ATA and it's grown of course over the years and standing and being, being, having the privilege of standing in that room of people was just almost overwhelming. Just such a good, good group of dudes that, you know, TJ's built around him. Yeah, and he, he's one of those guys that that when I see him interact with others or hear the way others talk about him, because I've, I've run into several people who, you know, are, are in his circle, and he's one of those guys that just enriches the lives of people around him, which – I'm like, man, I want to be like TJ when I grow up. But yep, anyway. Absolutely, that, man, me too. And enough about TJ. We finally got to meet in person, though, this year at ATA. So tell me a little bit about your experience at ATA this year, uh, what you were doing there. You were kind of hanging out with the half-rack guys and bouncing all around. So uh, tell me how the show was for you. Yeah, man, ATA was awesome this year. Um, we, I was there last year as well with half-rack. Uh, and, and I think attendance was down a little bit last year. There was kind of still like the, the COVID slump. Um, this year it seemed to me like it was much 
you know, better attended. There was a lot of people there. And then, yeah, I, I came with Half Rack, which TJ also is partner, part owner of. So I came to help in the booth some, but also, like, with us gearing up for shed season and, and everything just kicking off, um, wanted to be there and really just walk around and connect with people, uh, try to secure partnerships that we'd been working on, but more than anything, just – you know, be out there walking around, shaking hands and meeting people. So connecting, it was awesome. We had such a good time Had, had a lot of really great conversations and got to meet some awesome people down there. So yeah. definitely I look forward to it every year. It's an awesome show. Yeah. This, this was my first time, man. And the value of, you know, just being able to shake hands and meet people face to face was like, man, that, that was the value of the, of the time. For yeah, me, absolutely. You know, we can, yes. Business and all of that can happen virtually these days. I mean, pretty much everything you, you need to do can be handled through email. But uh, being able to shake a hand and meet a person face-to-face, there's no replacing that. No, and then the networking opportunities down there, yeah. just I, I, nothing like you know anything I've ever seen. So it, it's awesome. Yep, for sure, for sure. Well, Dwayne, let's, uh, let's jump into what we're here to talk about today. We're going to talk about shed season not only shed season like the brand but shed season as yeah. in like what's coming up like we're yeah it's time to get boots on the ground especially you know if you've got specific deer that you're watching if you've got trail cameras out if you've got in my opinion if you if you're on um you know a, a, a chunk of ground that you have some control over you definitely need to be uh getting out there and pounding the dirt so uh but I'm curious though to hear how your your fall was, you know, prior to this year because I think that may kind of play into how you're going to approach this shed season. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a uh, it's all good stuff and you know I love talking about it. So, I think at the point when I was on last year, uh we had bought the farm. So, um yep. I'll try to make this a brief summary, but my wife and I had gotten moved to the Carolinas in 2017 for my work. Uh, we were there for three years. And so we came back right at the beginning of 2021. Um, of course, TJ is childhood friend and, and we reconnected and he had bought the d- domain shed season a few years prior. But of course, like you said, he's got his hands in so many different pies. He d- just didn't have the time to run it and asked me if I'd be willing to. And I'm of course hundred percent. Yes. Um, so we started running it, but I had bought a farm when we moved home. That was been, my childhood goal and dream my entire life was to own a chunk of ground. And, you know, I can remember as a kid driving down the road and telling my parents that someday I would own, you know, you see up here where we're at in Indiana, you see excavators everywhere, always tearing out fence rows and, you know, piling up a woods and burning it to farm everything. And I can remember being a young kid and telling them like, someday I'm going to do the opposite of that. You know, Mm. my goal is to buy a chunk of ground and I want to take all this farm ground and put it back to, back to habitat and and stuff. So had the opportunity to buy ground when we moved home and that's another long story, but just an incredible blessing for, you know, me and my family. So we bought this farm and when we first bought it, I of course started running cameras there and there just wasn't much there in the way of age structure. Like habitat's not bad. It's in a really awesome area where we live. But, you know, you could just tell it had been really pounded. Um, the oldest deer I had on camera for almost the first year was a two-year-old, you know, little two-year-old buck. So we basically decided early on, early on we weren't really going to hunt it. I wanted to go in and get some food plots established and, you know, figure out, well, you know, what pockets we wanted to do timber stand improvement in and uh, do some, like, warm season grass borders and help just everything. We literally started from scratch and drew up this plan and started implementing it. So... <clears throat> that was two full years ago and started building some history and we've of course pulled some deer in and stuff. And so last year I, I had a handful of three year olds around. Um, that was it this year though, coming into this summer, we had, we had the history with several deer. We had a couple four year olds. I wasn't sure if I was going to hunt or not. They're both really good deer. We like kind of, we really would like to, to hunt five year olds there. And obviously yep. I can't hunt a five year old if I shoot them when they're four. Yep. So, Ran cameras, still did all the plots, still did all the work. <clears throat> and as season came in, I finally one day, I, I can remember, and of course we started at this point with the house, so building a house. I can remember telling my dad, I'm like, you know what, I'm not going to get tempted. We're just not going to hunt it. Just one more year and I think we'll be where we need to be. And, and I also knew there's a ton of pressure around me. And with us having all the food, I figured if, if we just stayed out of it completely, that it, it, you know we'd have better odds of some of these deer making it through. So... We had uh, two or three three-year-olds and two for sure four-year-olds that I had. Actually, I have both their match sets from last year. And somehow, by the grace of God, they both lived. So, Oh, wow. Right now we have uh, 
we've got two four-year-olds that made it that'll be five and then there was one three-year-old i actually went in um i said i didn't hunt it and i didn't but i did go in one day it was in late october might have been on halloween day actually there's a three-year-old that we had my, my kids had named thor he had like a six or seven inch drop sign off of his base and almost looked like a, a hammer handle and just a stud like 155 inch three-year-old 10 wow. main frame 10 with this big drop so i had a feeling i knew where he was living and i really have never had the opportunity to like try and pattern deer and you know what i mean so just to see i slipped in there one day and i took a novix helo and did a hanging hunt and i had him come into eight yards and i got to film him bump does around and watch them all evening and stuff and so he lived and both my four-year-olds lived and so that's it's we've still just been really trying to stay out um this time of year for us, the supplemental feeding is a big part of what we do. You can't feed here or have bait during season, but post-season, as soon as season's over, or as soon as you know you're not going to hunt the property, um, we start getting feed out. So I've been feeding big time since December, Okay. and they've been fairly consistent. But we just try to stay out as much as we can. But this year here, you know, like it's, it's kind of been funny shed season-wise. We get so much you know, so many messages from all over the country and it's been so vastly different everywhere. So here in Indiana, this winter has been way above average warm for the most part. Like the past month, there's been more days in the fifties than in the thirties by far. I mean, it feels like April. So, you know what the bucks that were there and hitting feed really hard in January when it was colder have now, you know, I'll get them once every once or twice a week they're just spread out all over the place i'll see them a half a mile from my farm one day and the next day they'll be on the feed so it's going to make shed season tough because there's just so many options for food out there and stuff right now but that being said um they've also held on to them longer i actually just last week thor shed one side and then he showed up yesterday with both sides shed out and he was with a shed buck that i didn't recognize and then actually tonight literally 30 minutes before he jumped on here one of the four-year-olds, um, he has a great big ear notch, and he came in completely shut out. So in the last oh. two days, he shut out. So they're finally starting to pop. Um, it, it's getting to be time now where we're ready, we're ready to slip in there. It's killing me You're running shed season and getting all these <laughs> photos and messages every day, people finding them and not going. But we played, we played it smart, I think. We waited until the time's right, and they're shedding out now. So we'll be going in here late this, this week to try and – scoop them up and it'll be cool like i haven't got to spend much time on the farm because we've tried to keep the pressure off so i'm anxious to see what the sign looks like uh and kind of try to read some of that fall sign for this coming year yeah i'm curious about uh your farm when it comes to you mentioned that there's a lot of pressure kind of around you um i assume you had a bunch of cameras out this year yeah Uh, i hope you did so when it comes to the pressure around you and your ability to hold i mean you you own you know a, a nice little chunk of ground but it's not a thousand acres, right? No. Uh, so how well were you doing at keeping those, especially those four-year-olds, very close or on your property in daylight? Um, yeah, so I, I just own 80 acres. Uh, my dad, I own 80. My dad bought 40 that connects to me. So, you know, it's not a huge chunk of ground. Um, we're happy to have what we have, but it's not big. And, and we're surrounded by good habitat, really. Uh, we, you know, the 80 we own, I own half and half it's 40 tillable 40 wooded my dad's almost all wooded but it's all it's a big finger of woods that connects to the river so there's a lot of habitat there and a lot of places for deer to go and hide and it all connects and flows so um it, what's funny is i would love to say they were there all the time but they weren't uh yeah. in fact the two four-year-olds the actually the one i was positive died he, I had him all summer, very regularly, up until I had some really good pictures of him when he, he actually had velvet all hanging off. Got one or two pictures hard-horned, and he disappeared. And a mile south of me, the farmer found like eight, he, when he was cutting beans in October, found eight dead deer and had him tested, and it was EHD. And so I'm like, man, he, he's, I'm going to find him somewhere in a creek this winter. Like, he's dead for sure. Um the other four-year-old, I would get – I had him vary a lot up until November. Um, I could have definitely killed him. He was pretty regularly on a couple different scrapes up until the very beginning of November, and there was two weeks there where he almost completely disappeared, or I'd get him, you know, once every two weeks running a doe somewhere. Um, but the three-year-olds were stayed on my farm. Like the buck that I was talking about, Thor, I would get that deer – 
almost every day, sometimes on literally every camera on the farm. So like we were running seven or eight cell cameras on my farm and you know, most all of them on scrapes. And I would sometimes get that deer on every single camera on my farm. Wow. So, you know, we're holding a a family group of does. There's probably six or eight does that pretty well live on me. And they, they held him there for the most part. He was there all fall. And like a hundred percent, I truly believe like the work we've done habitat wise and keeping the pressure off is what saved that deer's life for sure. Yeah. Man, that's awesome. So I, I, before we jump into shed hunting specifics, I've got to ask, there's been some development there, right? Like you've been doing habitat stuff for a long time. You've got your own farm. You're putting this stuff into practice. You're seeing the benefits of it. There may be some things coming on the horizon habitat wise concerning you. What do you got going on? Yeah, absolutely. So, yep. Um, probably 15 years ago, I planted very first food, food plot with one of my best friends. His grandpa owned a bunch of ground in the northern part of our county and was generous enough to let us start tinkering. He had all the equipment and stuff, and I think he was just excited to see us outside doing something and staying out of trouble, you know, when you we were in our late teens. So we started planting food plots and, of course, immediately saw how big of an impact it made doing that stuff. And so over the years, that's just, you know, we've, we've continued to do it and just build off of experience and, you know, prior knowledge and kind of trial and error. But the last few years, especially since buying my farm, it has just become like this huge passion to where it seems like any free time I have at all, I'm, I'm either reading a book to learn about different trees or different native plants, or I'm watching videos of, you know, Whitetail Partners or Whitetail Group or Land and Legacy and just trying to consume everything I can to learn. Um, definitely not, not above learning, you know, all, all the time learn stuff just about every day. But so we've gone in and we've, we've tried different things with, you know, doing timber stand improvement and, you know, whether that's just felling trees or hacking squirt or girdle or, you know, some hinging and in, in pockets and stuff. But, um, as I've done more and more and more of this and seen how much it benefited my farm, I just like, man, I've got to do this. Like, this is what I want to do. You know, this is what I want to do for a living. So we, my wife and I started an LLC in December called Dream Dirt. And right now we're, shed season is so busy. And as I mentioned, we're in the, we're in the thick of building a house. We're probably about three fourths of the way through building a house. So I haven't fully like kicked off and tried to go out there and, and do anything yet, but uh, it's on the horizon and definitely starting to have some conversations around it and structure you know, how we're going to run the business and, uh, what all we want to offer and do. And, uh, it actually sounds like may have our first project coming up here in March. We're going to go to Southern Ohio to a good friend's property over there and do some prescribed fire and follow up with a little bit of TSI. He has a lot of invasives he wants to get rid of. So yeah, man, dream dirt. That's going to be really exciting. It's definitely my passion project and we're just going to do it part-time for now. And, and you know, wherever somebody needs season need, but I just love it. Yeah, man, that's awesome. I'll, I'll, We'll be keeping an eye out, right, to see what uh, see what comes from that. That yeah. that whole piece of doing um, prescri- prescribed burns, I'm in the process right now of trying to get the, the certification uh, yeah. on doing prescribed burning. And, um, man, I have noticed working with different landowners, when you start mentioning, hey, I'd like you to set this patch of woods on fire, they get things get real awkward real quick, you know? Yes. <laughs> it, yeah. It's just so not a normal part. If you're not in this world, day-to-day yep. of managing your habitat for wildlife setting things on fire sounds so counterintuitive yeah. and and what looks pretty to you to the to the human eye you know the park where it's big mature timber and flat underneath and you can see 200 yards you start telling people i, I need you to make a mess over here they start yeah. like well wait a second i i, I don't think that I, I want it to look pretty it's like well do you want deer or do you want it to look pretty you yep. you really have to exactly you really right. have to make a decision yeah yeah, and, and like it, as far as the prescribed fire stuff goes, that's another thing I've tried to learn a, a lot about too. Like uh, Dr. Marcus Lashley put out a, a course through University of Florida, and I, I just finished that actually and got a certification through that here nice. a couple weeks ago. Um, but and still trying to do a lot of research. But actually, speaking of that, I don't know where all it's offered, but my wooded ground was in a program when I bought it. It's called Classified Forest and Wildlands, that's here in Indiana. And basically what it does, it, it more or less is like a promise that you're going to keep these wildlands or forests, forests. And, you know, everybody has, to, you basically have to have a written management plan that you develop with a forester. Um, and when I bought it, we kind of went over, uh, the guy before me was very much like timber production minded. 
it was all about how do we make more money and how do we de- develop you know better mature trees and my obviously focus is nearly the opposite of that mm. i'm all wildlands and not so much the forest side um, but trying to keep a little bit of a happy medium but in that you can do prescribed fire but it's so uncommon to burn woodlands yeah. here in the midwest yeah. like nobody does it so i immediately reached out to our state forester here and told her what i wanted to do and we met she actually came out and walked through my property and i'd shown, shown her where i set up um, fire breaks and everything and had talked to her about it and so actually this coming monday the 27th I have a state biologist, uh, the one of the head guys for Pheasants Forever, um, and then this forester. They're all coming to do a walkthrough, and we're actually going to do make it like an educational piece where I think we're going to film it and maybe oh, like cool. produce it. And I've I've got a group of like ten or twelve buddies that are all going to come out, and we're going to do this burn together. And so I'm going to section off my woods into thirds, and we're going to burn a third of it every year. And dude, I'm so excited about it! Like, how cool! I can't, I cannot wait. So like we too, we had, they had gotten a grant a few years before I bought this to remove invasives and they did, but they're starting to come back a little bit. And even the forester, after we sat down and made a plan and talked about it, she was like, you know what? I'm actually like, I don't have anybody that burns woodlands. And she's like, I'm really excited to see two things. Like number one, what it does to the invasives, if we can control the invasives with fire, but also she's like, I can't wait to see how the oaks respond. Yeah. Um, because they typically respond really well to fire and there's obviously probably not been fire here in yeah, decades. Yeah. So it's exciting, man. And it can just do, it can do so much for your property. Uh, we, we have turkeys there, but our populations are kind of low. We have a lot of nest predators and stuff. And so we're trying to get that stuff under control and, you know, make the habitat the best it can be for them. Man. That's awesome. Well, look, I could talk habitat stuff all day. I don't want to derail the conversation from yeah. uh, from what we're really here to talk about, though, and that's shed season. So it's been a year since we talked last time. Um, we've picked up a lot of new listeners to the show since then. So why don't you give me the rundown first of what shed season is and what you guys are hoping to accomplish with it? Absolutely. So shed season will start just to be a community uh, for people to share or consume antler-related content. Obviously, shed season has grown in popularity as, like, deer management and stuff has grown. Um, it's cool to build history with the deer, and so more and more people are getting into it. And also, like, there's a lot of non-hunters that like to get out and put miles on and, and think it's cool to pick up antlers, which is really great. So you kind of can play to both audiences. But so we – TJ had bought the domain. We started shedseason.com, um, started an apparel line kind of, I guess, as, for fun. We enjoyed it, just, you know, throwing designs out there and stuff, and that has kind of taken off. Um, and, and it just, we've kind of just let it grow organically. TJ has enough going on as do I to where it's, it hadn't been our sole focus, but like seeing it, it grow and then it comes at this time of year and seeing everybody's excitement around it. Like dude, we're just, we're fired up about it. So, um, we have a ton of really great partners where brands that, you know, provide, uh, materials for our giveaways, um, products for giveaways and stuff like that. And then we try to give back, you know, this is also like, we literally handpicked these guys, you know, so I had paid full price and bought all my first light stuff that I wear. And it's like, you know what, we're wearing this stuff anyway. Um, I think it's fitting. Let's reach out to first light and see if they want to partner with us. And they have. And so like, you know, when we're out shed hunting and stuff, we try to shoot content for them to use. Um, and in return, like I said, they provide products for our giveaways and, it's, it's been awesome, like truly. Right now, I, I, sent out, I posted a reel this morning thanking everybody because we're, we're getting literally like 50-plus DMs a day of people sharing their finds or sharing tips or, you know, what, had a bad day, but I'm picking up all the balloons out here, you know, stuff like that. But it's, it's truly, truly been great. The community around it is unbelievable. Hey, guys, just want to take a quick minute to let you know that the How to Hunt Deer podcast is brought to you by Tacticam makers of the best point-of-view cameras on the market for hunters and anglers. They're on the cutting edge, making user-friendly cameras to help the everyday outdoorsman share your hunt with friends and loved ones. Their new 6.0 camera has a ton of upgraded features this year, but the one I'm most excited about is the new LCD touchscreen. In my mind, that's a total game-changer. And one area Tacticam really shines is with their mounts and adapters that are made with the sportsman in mind. If you've tried to film your hunting and fishing excursions in the past, you know how frustrating it can be to get an action camera aimed just right or get it attached to your weapon or in a good spot for a second angle. Well, Tacticam makes all of that a breeze with their line of accessories. This fall, I'll be using their stabilizer mount on my bow with the 6.0 camera and their bendy clamp paired with the 5.0 wide camera for a second angle and to make sure I don't miss any of the action. 
To learn more and check out their full line of products, head over to their website, Tacticam.com. Share your hunt with Tacticam. It was one of those things when I first heard about shed season and kind of the idea and what was going to happen, I kind of sat back and I was like, man, this thing's going to explode. Like, because I, I know, you know, TJ had owned it owned the, the domain name for a while. You'd come on and I think you mentioned last year, like, hey, we're just kind of slow playing it. Like we're letting it grow organically. Yeah. And I was like, dude, it's going to. I, I was thinking like, man, yeah, it, yeah this <clears throat> organic growth is probably going to be a little bit overwhelming just because. The concept is so cool, and, you know, for whitetail nuts, man, what's better right now this time of year than walking out and scooping up some antlers, especially if you've got a target buck in mind that you've been watching, that you have been, you know, like yourself, hoping that these make it through, right? Absolutely. And you, you were disciplined, you stayed out, you didn't hunt, you didn't shoot any three-year-olds or four-year-olds on your property, and yep. and now to go in and have your hands on those antlers um, without having to have – you know, shot them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. At, at three yep. or four years old, when, when your goals are, are a little bit older age class. And I know that's not reality for most people. I personally, I, I hunt primarily public land. We've got a spot of private down in Alabama. That's a little bit smaller piece. It's about 35 acres. And, uh, you know, f- for us, uh, a four or five-year-old deer probably is shooting a little high. We, we shoot for three, you know, if it, yeah. we get a good three-year-old on camera, like that's going to be our target for the year. So, um, so that's not, reality for everybody but everybody can rally around hey what's the buck you've been after and yeah can you go get his shed so yeah where does shed season start for you because i know you do some stuff to try to concentrate the sheds on your property tell me a little bit about that and then i've got a controversial topic i want to run by you mostly because I, i'm part of a lease now um so i hunt primarily public land for deer this coming year i'll be on a lease I heard one of the guys talking about something the other day that I was like, that's a real bad idea. But I'm, I want to run it past you after you tell me kind of where you start and how you hopefully concentrate the sheds on your ground rather than scattered across on your neighbors. Yeah. So, yeah. And I had actually just Mark Kenyon today posted a video um, talking about like 80-20 rule, which applies to a lot of things. And he was saying he feels like it does shed hunting as well. And I agree 100%. Meaning like more than likely you're going to find you're going to find 80% of your sheds in in a concentrated area or or, yeah so you know more more than likely like if you if i take my whole 80 acres there's going to be a couple areas where the deer have really frequented that are going to be really high high odds areas of finding antlers versus you know randomly for whatever reason in the middle of the woods where there's not really any structure for bedding or anything like that um so that's you know like i mentioned supplemental feeding that's one thing that has really helped us especially on cold winters, which I know up north is getting absolutely hammered. Um, It's frustrating because it can be hard to get out because the snow's so deep. But the good thing is if you have food, guess where the sheds are going to be. I mean, they're, they're, they're just, they are. Um, So that's, that's one thing we do is the the plots we plant. um, I planted a couple acres of brassicas this year at my farm. And then we had paid, we paid the farmer to leave some corn standing and I went in and mowed half of it and left half of it standing after we were done hunting and this stuff is all literally right together. So, like, I was just there the other day to put more big tie out and was totally and completely blown away at this sign there. I mean, it, it is, and it looks like I turned cattle loose. But that's, that's you know, our main focus is making sure there's enough food uh, to hold them there and, and know that that's, they're going to frequent that. So, you know, for me, I'm going to check those food sources first, and then I'm going to backtrack and see, okay, here's where, here's the hub. Now, where do these trails all go? Um, where's the spot where they cross the fence into the neighbors or cross the fence into, into our woodlot. Um, and that's kind of what I do. I start right there at the center where all the food is and we kind of branch out from there. So it's, it served us pretty well. I, I think last year you know, on my 80 acres in Indiana, which is, you know, it, it's not like Iowa, I guess I want to say, um, we found nine sheds on my property, which I was tickled to death with for 80 acres. Um, both of my four year olds, that this year that were three-year-olds last year we found their match sets so it's worked well for us and that, that's what we do yeah one other thing i think you guys do really well and you know for the guys that are out shed hunting on public land in my mind you got to get out there pretty quick you got to get out there early people yeah. are going to beat you to them like there's a lot of competition for this right now but if you control the property one of the most important things you can do right now is not go out there yes. <laughs> you know just just give it time and and watch your cameras so i assume you've got a lot of cameras set up on um on these you know on the food basically watching for these shed antlers when will you pull the trigger 
are you going to wait until, you know, just the specific couple of bucks that you're looking for have dropped or, or until you're like, man, okay, they've almost all dropped. Now we're going in. Yeah. So this year I, I, I wanted to wait until those three bucks were shut out the, the two four-year-olds and that big three-year-old. And as of tonight, I, I, I believe they all three are. Um, the, the one four-year-old I haven't talked a lot about my son named Olaf last year. He, uh, he, I haven't been getting them real frequently and, but he shed out. So my son's birthday is tomorrow. And I remember when this deer shed because I found his sheds on my son's birthday. So he last year shed the 22nd. He came into big time, had both sides. I got him later in the night leaving with, he shed out. And so I, I knew they were on me and I went in that next morning and found both of them within 50 yards of the feed and uh on my son's birthday so i'm gonna guess typically uh, you know for us it seems as if the bucks typically shed close to the same time each year unless unless they get shot or injured or something weird happens if they're healthy you know he's shed last year on february 22nd i'm gonna guess he's gonna shed within five days one way or the other of that so i'm gonna say right now they're all three shed out and I've, i've noticed some of the little bucks coming in with one side and stuff so I kind of have both right now. The, the target bucks are shut out, and the majority of them are shut out. So it's time for us to go in. I'm ready. Um, but, yeah, it just depends what you got going on. If you got some big deer, and, you, you know, there's a lot of times there are a lot of properties where we're just specifically waiting until they shut out, and then we're going. Yeah, yeah. So one thing I, I want to run by you and is, is controversial to me uh, because of the, the potential impact, um, down here in the south, looking for sheds this time of year can, can be kind of tough just given the woods are just thicker. It's just a different atmosphere. We don't have snow that falls and sort of flattens everything down. Um, a lot of guys like to use shed traps, uh, where they're feeding. Tell me your thoughts on shed traps and, and whether or not you think people should be using them. Yeah. Um, I don't love it. I'm, I would, I would say I'm opposed to using them. It seems like anytime I hear somebody talk about shed traps, there's a horror story with it yep. almost always. Yep. Um, you know, in my experience, when, when a buck's ready to shed out, they're going to, and if they're not, they're not. And, and if you force them to shed out, it's generally not good. You know, they're going to get injured or you're going to have a buck that gets hung up in your shed trap and hurts themselves and gets injured or something like that. I don't know. I think it's silly. I don't think it works well. First off, like yep. I said, if they're ready to fall off, they're going to fall off. And if they're not, they're not. So I would, I would steer people away from using shed traps just from, like you say, it, it can result in a lot of negative things as far as deer getting injured or they come off when they're not ready and it, you know, mess, mess up their pedicle and stuff like that. So I would say don't do it. Yeah, I agree, man. Those, it, it's not worth messing with something. I mean, you get an infection, right there at the top of the head, it doesn't take much for that buck to die Yeah, for him to not be around. And like you mentioned, messing up a pedicle, man, you've got a beautiful three-year-old on camera, right? You've been following him all season long. You throw a shed trap out there. You want to go get those sheds. You pick it up. Like one, in fact, I was looking on Instagram the other day. Somebody was like, Hey, I found this shed so pumped. And you can see like a chunk of pedicle on there. And I'm like, ah, I hope he's okay next year. Because that's going to change his antler growth. Yeah. The, the following year. Yep. If he breaks off part of his skull plate on there because it w- wasn't ready and he got hung up in it, more than likely is not going to be the same next year. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you might have just taken a deer that you've been watching. You're so excited. You can't wait to get the shed for him. And then you basically ruined his, his potential yep. for next year. Yep. Not his potential to be a buck that gets your heart going or his potential to be a nice mature buck or whatever, but just the potential for him to put on maximum antler or the same quality of antler. He may yeah. have some big goofy side, you yep. know, the following year. Yep, absolutely. So, man, let's 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 talk a little bit about uh, some of your favorite places. I mean, we I, I know that you love to put out food and find the find the sheds there. But any other spots that you're like, man, these are these are must check places on your farm that guys can kind of take and walk away and, and have confidence. Like, okay, I know my farm. Maybe they got a hundred acres. I know you know twenty percent of this is going to hold eighty percent of the sheds. Yeah. What's that 20%? Where do they need to be looking? Yeah, so obviously I've mentioned food, and, and that definitely is my number one, like by far. Um, almost any of the days that are really memorable for me where we have gone in and just absolutely crushed it and found a ton of sheds was always every time at a hot food source. Uh, I don't know that it's that way everywhere around the country, but 
for instance, an example last year here, there, there was a farm that I've shed hunted for a long time. And every five or six years, they'll plant a cover crop on the, and this is probably 150 acre field. And it's surrounded by, it's called safety zone. So there's, we have two reservoirs in my County. And, uh, I think they're like 12,000 acres of water and probably just as many acres of like tillable and timber ground. So everything around this is safety zone where it can't be hunted year round period. There's campgrounds here and there and everything. So as you can imagine, there's usually a high concentration of deer there, but this, this farmer had planted 150 acres of tillage radish and there are patches in there where I don't know why or how, but they missed the soybeans. So there were soybeans and tillage radish drilled into it. And when we, we, we headed out to that farm, I didn't even know what it was. It's, it's a ways from my house. And when we pulled in the driveway to knock and ask the guy permission, one of my, another TJ was with me, TJ Unger. And I was like, dude, we're, we're going to find, we're going to find a bunch of sheds. And he said, you think? And I said, I, I promise we will. So before we got out of this guy's yard, we found two antlers off two different bucks laying in the guy's yard, right under, oh a little, like, <laughs> yeah, right under one of his bushes. And we ended up finding 14 sheds that day, and the smallest one was probably a 110-inch eight. And like I, this shed right here, I don't know how well you can see it, but oh, man. 70, I think he's a 76-inch, just five-point side. Wow. Uh, it's my biggest shed I've ever found was in that field. And we it just 14 or 15 sheds in one day here is incredible, especially for that many that size. But the, the absolute reason why we found them is because all that food was there. So first and foremost food um find the food and you're gonna find them even if it's you know if it's not your farm if your farm was beans that got cut and the grounds worked drive around you know find find a winter wheat field find uh some staining grain find a cover crop and that's where the the highest concentration of deer are going to be but aside from that um you probably have heard you know everybody talks about finding and checking south facing slopes the winter time that's where the sun's going to be um, that's where they're going to they're going to get energy from absorbing sunlight, and they like to lay on those south facing slopes. And it doesn't take much either. Like I found, it can be a really really small little gradual slope, you know, just a, even a little dip, and it's enough to get them out of the that north wind and enough for them to have that sun beat down on them. So I definitely always try to hit south facing slopes, even in weird goofy spots. Uh, a lot of times you'll find sheds. Obviously, here a lot of people talk about fence crossings or creek crossings. I, I would definitely check those spots. Um, and for me, I, for some reason, I've always tended to go to the edges, like whatever that may be, what might be where the timber meets a field or there's a fence row or there's a grain that meets a grass, you know, something like that. If you have like uh, warm season grass borders or whatever, but obviously deer creatures of edge. And it seems like I find a lot, if not the majority of my sheds on some type of edge cover. Mm. So like, you know, a lot of times I'll go and like even my farm, you know, the back, that 30 acre field, more than likely when I go there, I'll just naturally walk the perimeter to the field first before I do anything else to see, you know, if I find them on the edges. So I would say food, south facing slopes, crossings and edge. This episode is brought to you by the Onyx Hunt app. Onyx gives you up to date landowner information, color coded public and private land boundaries, and gives you a ton of tools to help you hunt smarter. One tool I'm loving right now is their optimal wind feature, which lets you set the optimal wind for a given location, then tells you in real time whether the wind is good, bad, or just okay for that spot. You can try it risk-free for seven days right now. Just download the Onyx Hunt app on your preferred app store today. That south-facing slopes piece is is huge, Um, especially for guys up north. I was actually out on a a piece doing some some postseason scouting here in Georgia um, about a week and a half ago, and... All in all, a decent scouting trip, but I was on my way out, and uh, they had clear-cut uh, a huge swath of this land a couple of years ago, and there were a bunch of pines that were probably, I don't know, eight feet tall to nine feet tall, and in between, they had spaced them out quite a bit. It almost looked like they were managing this spot for quail or something like that. Yeah. And in between was all of this blue stem grass. It was like uh, one of the really common common ones here is that uh, broom sedge blue stem. Yep. Mm-hmm. And that was growing up all in between. And when I pulled up to the first south facing slope of that, I looked out and there's three deer standing there and they had obviously seen me coming and stood up to kind of check me out a little bit more. So I stopped at a couple of other spots where it sloped off to a south facing slope. And that I, I would find deer there every time there'd yep. be a, a doe sitting there bedded, you know, looking, yep. looking back at me. So 
Uh, even if you're in the south, man, those south-facing slopes, that's a, oh, yeah. that's a big deal this time of year. Um, kind of no matter where you are, even if you're not Absolutely. in a colder climate. I was always kind of of the opinion of like, yeah, south-facing south slopes are great if you're in Iowa, Indiana, yep. Illinois, Wisconsin, somewhere up north. But um, even for the southern guys, it can be really helpful. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I, I'm curious now, um, I've got to make a confession. I'm a terrible shed hunter. Uh, it takes a lot. It, t- it takes a lot for me to find a shed. I basically, I'm the guy that has to trip over it. Yeah. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, the last fed, last shed I found was from probably a hundred inch eight point. I mean, small shed yeah. and it was in a burn and the shed had been basically bleached white. And so yeah. I had no choice but to see it, but I still didn't see it until I was about six feet away. And yeah. so, I mean, it, it takes a lot for me. How do you, how would you advise guys to maybe train their eye to, to find more sheds? Cause I think that's an underrated piece of this because some people just, I mean, you, you've got buddies, I'm sure that you're just like, yeah, I'll take him with me, but he's not going to find anything. Yeah. You know, he, he can be walking the same farm as you and you'll, Absolutely. you'll find them all. Right. So yeah. what can a guy do to maybe train his eye to be on the lookout for the right thing? Yeah. So the one thing that I think has, has like trained my eye for it more than anything is early on me and one of my best friends that that shed hunted together a lot. We'd almost always carry an antler with us. And if, if we were walking a cornfield, we would back and forth, throw it, like turn around backwards, throw it, find it over and over and over as we're shed hunting. And like, it it was, it's incredible sometimes how hard they they are to find. Like there's times where we would throw it and legit have a hard time finding it. (laughs) But because of that, like, I mean, you really train your eye to look for small details. I think one of the biggest mistakes people make is they're looking for this every time. And it's not always going to be this. Or even if it is, sometimes it's not going to look like that. It's going to be this much of a a tine or, you know, half of a pedicle or, you know, whatever the case may be. So, yeah, I I would carry an antler with you and toss the thing, you know, whether you're in corn or whether you're in the timber or whatever, um, just throw it over and over occasionally. And that will definitely help train your eye to find it and, and look for small details rather than looking for a, a 90 inch antler. Yeah. You ever, you ever carry that antler out there and then have to leave without it? Cause you couldn't find it again. No, I, that's, <laughs> I have not done that. It hadn't been that bad, but there it has been times where it took us five or 10 minutes to find the dang thing. Yeah, man. Well, so Auburn university has an enclosure. It's like four or 500 acres or something like that. And I was listening to a podcast the other day and they had, um, over the, a, a number of years, they've got grad students and all kinds of people who are out there shed hunting this place. It's high fence. They know exactly what deer are on this property at all times. Over the years, cumul- cumulatively, they've only found 39% of the shed antlers. Yes, so, I, I mean, saw that. It, that's crazy. It, is, it blows my mind. Like you would, it, you would think in a controlled environment, you can go scoop up 75%, yeah. maybe more. Yeah. But... I would think so, at least. Yeah, I saw um, they had posted a short clip of that on Instagram, the National Deer Association. And and one of the the guys from there were talking about that, and I was just like, holy cow, dude, that is insane. It just goes to show you how many you probably walk by. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You mentioned National Deer Association. That's where I'd seen it. Um, I'm doing their deer steward course right now, the deer steward one. Have you done that yet? I haven't, but I, I did see like the commercial for it and stuff. I actually just talked to my wife about it last week. What do you think so far? Man, it, it's fantastic. Is it it's really? really good? Yeah. It's, I mean, there's a lot of this stuff. If you're a whitetail nut, like a lot of it, you're going to be like, yeah, yeah, I've heard this before. Sure. But there are a lot of little nuggets that like are in there that it, it it's worth it. Uh, it. Isn't it like an $80 course or something? It was, well, they did a, a 35% off. They just revamped it. They, yeah. And it was like 35% off for the first 350 people that signed up. And I think it was 170 bucks yeah. or something like that with the 30, 35% okay. off. So it's not super cheap, but it's, it's something that's within reach definitely for everybody. It. Yeah, yeah. It, it's definitely worth it. And dude, when I got to the quizzes, that's when I was like, oh, okay, this is a little harder than, <laughs> than I anticipated. Yeah. I, I struggled through the first one and I was like, okay, I might need to change the way I'm approaching this treat it a little bit more like a like a college course rather than rather than it's just something i sit down and watch and then go take the take the quiz on it or whatever yeah um all right so we're we've talked about training the eye let's talk about days to go right like the day that i went and i found that you know side that in the most recent shed that i found um 
it was a it was it was the perfect kind of day to find that specific antler but it may not have been a good day for shed hunting in the timber so there's specific days that you're like hey if i go out on these days i'm going to find way more than if i go on this kind of day yeah uh yeah that's a really good point so i actually today i i could not go because of work but i found last yesterday evening um two miles from my farm i found a winter wheat field that's humongous and it's actually a farm that my wife and i turkey hunt she shot her turkey there two years ago and there i there were an unbelievable number of deer in this field and so i called the guy this morning and asked permission to shed hunt and he told me i could and i wish i could have went today i couldn't because of work but today it was it rained here all day long and so it's super dark gray skies raining everything's matted down and as as miserable as that is like that to me is the perfect day to shed hunt because mm. Everything's so dark and gloomy that a shed, especially something like laying in a wheat field, is going to pop like no other. So, obviously, I would say, like, if your schedule's not flexible, just go. Like, I mean, just when you get a chance, just go. But if you can be picky, choosy when you go, definitely choose those slate gray skies, overcast, cloudy, maybe even, like, drizzly, rainy. Um, it just helps so much. You know, they're just so much more contrast there where they stand out. If you go on a sunny day, try to think about it yet from an approach standpoint of keep the sun to your back. If, if, you know, I didn't think about this for the first 10 years I shed hunted, but other than the fact that, man, when it's sunny, they're so hard to see. There's all those shadows and all those highlights everywhere. They don't stand out, especially in the timber. Um, but if you, if you approach the farm of a way where you think about it before you go in, okay, the sun is, you know, south, um, let's walk this from south to north and continue to make loops that way it will help a ton if the sun's at your back they are way easier to see when it's sunny than if you're walking into the sun and, and not thinking about it so if you have to go in the sunny keep the sun to your back if you can choose when you go go on cloudy days awesome awesome i, I want to shift the conversation now to uh, something that is you know i i hear some guys who are like man shed season or shed hunting is indispensable for my fall hunting strategy. I talk to other guys that are like, I do not give a rip about shed antlers. I want, I don't, I don't care about them. It, it doesn't play in at all. Where are you at on that, you know, spectrum there of they're super important for your hunting strategy to not important for my hunting strategy at all. And assuming that they do play in somewhat, like how do you begin to shift from finding sheds and where you found them to constructing a hunting strategy for the following fall? yeah that's a good question um it depends on the deer for me so like for instance i, I mentioned the buck my son called olaf and how i don't get him much like he he's definitely not a magnet to the feed like some of them are some of them are there three times a day every day mm. period he is there whatever it's like when he's in the area he'll swing by and hit it and that's it and so if i find his shed somewhere it's going to mean a lot to more to me than if I find a buck that's there three times a day because I don't have feed there during hunting season. Their, their patterns are totally different, whereas I don't think his patterns are that different. I, I think, you know, he kind of just does his thing, and when he happens to circle through the area, he, hit, he hits the feed. So if I find his shed now in a bed somewhere, I'm probably going to take note of where I find that versus in the feed. So it does depend on the deer, but honestly, I, I would sway on the side of it doesn't mean much to me. Yeah. Um, this time of year, their, their patterns are so vastly different than they are in hunting season that in ten, nine times out of ten, it, you know, where you find a buck shed right now is going to have no bearing on where they're going to be next October, November. Um, what it does for me, though, is you had kind of touched on this earlier. I, I joke with TJ that in some ways I'd rather find a shed than shoot a buck, as silly as that sounds. But for me, like these four-year-olds, you know, if I go in this year, if I had gone in this year and shot them, I, would I've been excited? Sure. Like would have been tickled. They were great deer, but the story's over. You know yeah. what I mean? That's it. It's bittersweet. They, they, they're no longer there. I, I don't, you know, wake up in the morning and check my pictures and hope that I got a picture of one of them because they're dead versus you go in and find their sheds as a four-year-old and get to compare those to last year's sheds and see how they grew and the character characteristics that they kept and knowing that I'm going to get to hunt that deer again next year. Like, whoa dude how crazy is that yeah how cool is it it's so it's so cool to me it's fascinating yeah so that that is like the cool part of finding sheds to me especially on a farm that i hunt is just that like having 
having two, three years of sheds and history with a deer that you can see how they developed and how they, I don't know. There's something really cool about it to me. Yeah. And I think one more value to it, you know, especially with the way you're doing things and, and you're shooting for that five-year-old range, right? You can really start to see what you can hope for and expect from your property, right? Like you can, I mean, we've all been there. I, I, people send me pictures all the time and I do the same thing. Send a picture to somebody and say, Hey, how old do you think this deer is? And it can be really difficult to tell unless they're on a bait pile, you know, giving you different angles, exactly how old that deer is. When you start to get an idea or, or you know, how big it is, what, what does this deer score? Right. Even if you can get the age, that score can be really, really tough to figure out. Yep. But if you can see, okay, this was a three-year-old, you get done and you, you find the sheds and you say, okay, this was a 135 inch three-year-old. Like, okay, I, I know what I can expect. You know, generally the, the sheds we find from our three-year-olds are this age range. And to yep. me, that's a lot better than guessing off of a trail cam picture. Yeah. Yeah, I agree a hundred percent. When it comes to finding those sheds, something you mentioned really, really kind of piqued my interest when it comes to this hunting strategy piece, because this is a question that I've wondered about quite a bit, um, mostly because in the spring, my schedule gets tight and I love to turkey hunt. And so yeah. I'm oftentimes trying to uh, cram as much as I can into that February, March timeframe so yeah. that come April, I can really focus on turkey hunting, right? So I don't make a lot of time to get out and, and shed hunt. But if you find a shed, like depending on where you find it, it may be real important for your hunting strategy or may not be at all. Like you said, you find it in a bed, hugely important. Yep. Yes. You find it in a terrain feature that they're going to yep. use the following year or, uh, you know, just a, a commonly used terrain feature on your property. That's really important. You yep. find it on a pile of big time. That's awesome. But that That'd big time, yeah, that big time is not going to be there next, yeah. next fall, next hunting season. So, yep. um, yeah, really good stuff, man. So anything else that you're like, Hey, this is what I would encourage guys to do, not do. Maybe they should think about this, whatever, when it comes to, you know, guy just says, man, I, I stink at finding sheds. I just want to find more. Help me out. Anything else? Yeah. Um, we, we've touched on most of them, but I would say you kind of touched on it at the beginning. Wait until the shed out. Um, that, that'd be number one. I think a lot of people, you know, it's, it's hard for me too. like running shed season. I'm seeing all these pictures everywhere. People are finding them. Some guys are, have found a hundred already. I saw there's a page from Minnesota that shares a lot with us that they've, they found like 130 sheds already. Oh my gosh. And so I'm like, dude, it's killing me. I want to go bad, but because I'm running these cameras, I know my deer are not shed out yet. If I go right now, when they do shed out, there's a very good chance that they're going to shed out on my neighbors. Cause I go in there and bump them in a place that they're comfortable so wait until you know they're shut out. And, it, and like, you know, if it's a property you don't know, you're not running cameras, maybe go out in the evening, check the food sources and see, you know, take, take binoculars or a spotting scope and see how many, how many does you see versus bucks or vice versa. Um, but wait until you know they're shut out or until the date tells you that they should be, you know, like for here, it's different everywhere, of course. But for here, I know if we get to that first week of March, pretty, pretty safe bet that most bucks are shut out and, and it, it's go time, you know, no more waiting. Um, but aside from that, you know, I, I would say just just get out, you know, get out yeah. there and go put the miles on again, food. Like, I mean, luckily, again, it's going to be different everywhere. Iowa may be get, getting tougher, the places that are really popular. But here, if I go drive around, I mean, nine and a half times out of ten, if I knock on a door and say, hey, um, do you mind if I walk your property and look for deer antlers? They're going to say. Sure. Go ahead. It's, that's weird. <laughs> They're going to lead with, why do you want those? Right. Uh, <laughs> exactly. Well, yeah. Why? why? And so, so you don't run over them in your tractor. So, yeah. yeah. yeah uh, but yeah, most people are going to let you go. So like get, go on a drive, you know, right before you go out, go take a drive and see if you can find, like I said, standing grain or cover crop or, um, you know, what would it, what would it be in the South, Josh? What would be like the hot food source down there? Oh my goodness. It could be, it could be anything. I mean, we, we there's a lot of baiting that goes on yeah. down here. Yeah. So, I mean, we, you know, corn piles are going to be, yeah. are going to be pretty big. Um, and honestly, a lot of it, if you have uh, road pines, if you have any yeah. of those rows that are, that are cut, that are, you know, basically yeah. bush hogged down to the ground, the, the, the brush on either side of that is going to be a lot, the, the brows on either side of that. It's going to be a lot preferred to what's actually inside the cover. And so, you know, walk those edges. Yeah. And I guess the, the one other thing I would say for here, for the Midwest, 
is if you find really good thermal cover, like mm. go walk it. Yeah. That, that would be, I guess I, I missed that earlier, but next to food would be like, we don't have many pines here, very few. And when we have them that they're few, they're few and far between, or it's where if somebody plants a hardwoods here, they will first plant staggered. It'll be pine, hardwood, pine, hardwood. And the pines will, will shoot up fast and they'll protect the hardwoods until they're mature. And then it'll actually kill all the pines. But when those are young, and you have all those, that's basically pine stand and all that thermal cover. That's incredible too. We've, we've gotten into some, some spots like that where, especially on hard winters where you go into some of these pine stands and you just absolutely smash it because they're, that's where they're all staying. So, uh, yeah, that's the other thing I would say, look, look, go drive around, look for food, look for thermal cover and just, just go like, don't try not to get discouraged. It can be tough. Even, you know, you or I, you know, there's days where we'll go and we'll walk 13 miles and not find a shed. It's just part of it. And then you're going to go one day and you're going to find 14 in two hours because you just found the right food source. So, uh, just, just enjoy being outside and just go at some point you're going to turn them up. Yeah. One of the, one of the best shed hunting trips that I've ever had was literally on my lunch break. Like I had, I had some phone calls to make. So I was like, I'm going to drive. I'm going to make those calls while I'm on the drive. And, you know, maybe I'll make a call or two while I'm out there. I'm going to take a longer lunch break. going to take two hours. And in that two hours, it was, like, phenomenal. You know, I found, found yeah. more sheds in that two hours than any other time. And it was just I hit it just right. right? I, yep. I was just on this, this food source. It was a picked cornfield. I was just there at the right time. So, uh, But you're right, man. Go find those places. Even if it's not on your property, find the neighbor down the street. Uh, yep. I actually had one farmer tell me, um, he was cool with me doing it. He was like, yeah, you can go back there and do it. I'd love for these things not to end up in my tractor tire anymore. Uh, but you got to promise me you're going to find them if you go back there. And I was like, well, I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't know if I can make any promises. Uh, yeah. I was like, I'm, I'm going to try really hard. I promise you, but I can't promise anything. And he was, he was pretty serious. He's like, if you're going to go back there, you better find them. Like, yep. Oh man. Okay. Right. Well, my bad. Uh, Put that's, pressure that's on you. yeah, yeah, for real. Uh, Dwayne, what, what's upcoming for you and for shed season? Like what can people be looking forward to? Yep. So shed season wise, things are just really ramping up. Uh, this Thursday, we're going to announce the first of four big giveaways. Um, they're, they're going to be big, like several thousand dollars each. Wow. And we got some unbelievable partners. Um, like, like I'll name drop a few, like first light, um, black gate. That, that's a new cell ca- newer cell camera company. Um, we met them actually at ATA and Ryan is one of the owners and dude, they're just like salt of the earth people, incredible people wanted to, wanted to, to develop the best camera on the market and make it affordable, affordable for people. And I've been running them all winter and I think they have. Um, so we got some cell cameras we're giving away from them. Uh, wicked North, uh, they're, they're going to do, they're going to do some stuff with us. Spartan forge. I know is going to give away a membership, um, each giveaway and then trophy line, has a lower lumbar pack that they have come out with yep. that is absolutely perfect for shed hunting. Uh, we've tested it just a little bit here recently and it's going to be awesome. So just tons and tons of stuff, like truly they're incredible giveaways. So we've got four of those coming up. First one's going to be this Thursday. Um, and then we'll have a lot of little pop-up stuff here and there where we're going to give away some of the apparel and swag, but we just released a whole new line of apparel that's live on the website. Um, we developed two. I don't know if you've seen it or not. We developed a little score sheet. Uh, it's free on the website. You can download it. You can, you know, edit it on your phone or on your tablet or whatever, or you can print it off and have a little, little cards and that they're actually really cool. Um, so fun little stuff like that. But aside from that, we'll just be pumping out content, whether it's photos or reels or videos and keeping everybody in the loop with what we're doing. So that's shed season. And then, like I said, dream dirt is going to be, coming up here shortly. Won't be long. I've got a early March trip to Southern Ohio to kick it off. And I would imagine from there, I'll probably be forced to get going with it. I think it's going to force me to make it happen. So I'm looking forward to that. There you go, man. Hey, that, and that website is shedseason.com. That's uh, correct. The shed record tea had me cracking up earlier, man. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, awesome. It's a, it's a, it's a squirrel in a shed season shirt gnawing on an antler. So yeah, that's, that's not what you want. I'll mention quick. TJ reached out to um, a, a few of the younger designers, I guess, or you know, guys that we didn't necessarily know, and offered them up an opportunity to sketch some designs, and we would would basically handpick 
the ones we wanted and th- we did three different three different guys submitted designs for us and dude they all three knocked it out of the park so we have some really really cool stuff that they've all drawn up for us um that are on t-shirts or hoodies or you know sweatshirts or whatever so definitely go check that out and that they would appreciate it and so would we Awesome. So shedseason.com and what is the Instagram handle or Facebook or wherever? Shed.season. Shed.season. Okay. I knew there was something in there and so I didn't want to say it wrong. So, uh, well, uh, man, thank you so much for coming on, Dwayne. Uh, appreciate your time. I almost called you TJ there. Um, Yeah. yeah, That'd be something. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We we don't, we don't want him to get the big head. Uh, uh, so anyway, Dwayne, thanks for your time, man. Appreciate you coming on. We'll have to have you come on again. And uh, looking forward Thanks to for see, me, looking forward to seeing what else you come up with, dude. Look, yep. uh, wish you the best, with, especially with Dream Dirt. That's uh, absolutely that could be yeah, awesome. We'll, we'll be in touch on that, I'm sure. Awesome. All right, buddy. Have a good evening. Thanks, Josh. You too, man. That's all for this week's episode. As always, thank you so much for tuning in. If you dig this show, be sure to subscribe to this podcast wherever it is that you get your podcasts. If you could leave us a five star review, I would very much appreciate that. While you're at it, you can follow along with my outdoor adventures on Instagram at How to Hunt Deer. That's also the best way to get a hold of me. Suggest topics that you want to hear, guests you want to hear from, or questions that you'd like me to explore on the show. Big thanks to our partners, Tacticam, Huntworth, and Onyx. Please go support the brands that support this show and help me bring you great content each and every week. If you're looking for more outdoor content, check out thesportsmansempire.com where you're going to find my other podcast, The Wisconsin Sportsman, as well as a ton of other awesome outdoor podcasts.